It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to Mugshot. I'm your host, Lindsay. Today's episode was co-created by Wendy Scripps, who assisted with research and writing. Today's episode is slightly shorter than normal, but once you hear the story, you'll see why we still had to cover it. While there's not an abundance of information available, it's certainly a story worth telling. Today's Mugshot Name, Jeffrey Allen Manchester, also known as the Roof Man. Arrested for robbery, breaking and entering, possession of burglary tools, and kidnapping. Often in true crime, the perpetrators seem ruthless, senseless. It's utter destruction with no thought paid to the victims of the crime. Most often, this is seen in violent crimes, but we see it on mugshot all the time as well. But every now and then, we come across a criminal with a code, one who has a specific intent for their crime and is careful not to deviate from it. On today's episode, we discuss one of these criminals who, despite being a serial offender, made sure the people around him were cared for. Remember back in the 1970s and 80s when McDonald's commercials had its own colorful cast of characters? There was, of course, the wide grin of Ronald McDonald himself. He was often accompanied by the lovable, albeit a bit dopey, purple thing named Grimace, and sometimes by the somewhat clumsy bird, Birdie. And then there was the villain, the Hamburglar. And this guy had a goal. He just wanted the cheeseburgers. While he tried often, he rarely succeeded. But his intent was clear. He didn't want to hurt anyone. He just wanted his loot. They were just so good, he couldn't resist. Well, apparently, the Hamburglar wasn't the only one who felt this way. Except in real life, it wasn't burgers this man was after. Not much is known about Jeffrey Allen Manchester's life, at least not before the incidents discussed today. We do know that he was born in 1972 and that he was a sergeant in the U.S. Army, possibly a member of Special Forces, possibly even a paratrooper. He lived in Concord, California, located about 29 miles northeast of San Francisco for most of his life. He has twin sons and a daughter. In the 1990s, he traveled throughout the United States and ended up in North Carolina. For many, traveling is a way to expose yourself to culture, history, nature. 
This was the case for Manchester, as his travels did expose him to knowledge. But it wasn't in the way you might think. During his travels, he became an expert in robbing chain stores with a special loyalty to one in particular, McDonald's. As we will soon learn, Jeffrey's string of robberies is somewhat comical at times. For example, early on, there was an attempt to rob a McDonald's in November. What he didn't realize, though, is that after cutting a hole in the roof, the store was closed for Thanksgiving. No one was even there to steal from. But whatever Jeffrey learned, he was comfortable with it and didn't want to risk spontaneity. His robberies were all the same. He would cut a hole in the roof of the store and drop right down, sometimes in the early mornings and sometimes in the middle of the night. He would hide in a secret location, most often a bathroom stall, and wait until he knew the employees were busy and distracted. Then he would come out of his hiding spot with his weapon drawn. This type of reveal almost always caused panic, as a weapon will make anyone nervous. But it's how Manchester established control. However, it wasn't his intent to hurt anyone. In fact, after brandishing his weapon, he would very politely ask for everyone to move to the back. He would then get the manager to unlock the safe and give him all of the cash inside. Then, to make a clean getaway, he would usher all of the employees into the walk-in food freezer, reminding them to get their jackets as it was cold inside. Many of the people who were working during these robberies said he was polite and soft-spoken. However, it's thought that he did fire some warning shots on a few occasions. Then, he would lock the freezer and leave. More often than not, he would call the local police from a nearby payphone, letting them know that the employees were all in the freezer, safe and sound, but needing rescue. Because of this repeat behavior, he became known as the Roofman Robber. The Roofman's techniques served him well for about a decade. Think about it. Basically, every McDonald's looks exactly the same. The layout is easy to replicate and plan for. Even McDonald's was offering a $10,000 reward for his capture. But in the early morning hours of May 20th, 2000, after years and years of performing the same song and dance and walking away with the prize, it all came tumbling down. Manchester made his way to the small rural town of Gastonia, North Carolina. Earlier that night, he began his routine of climbing to the roof of the town's McDonald's with his tools in hand. After cutting a hole in the ceiling and dropping down into the restaurant, he crept into the women's restroom where he stayed quietly hidden until closing. After the restaurant closed that evening, the manager was checking the men's bathroom for supplies when he noticed the women's door was slightly opened. Suddenly, masked and carrying a sawed-off 22 caliber rifle, Jeffrey Manchester emerged from the restroom and moved everyone to the back of the restaurant into the kitchen area. There, he had all of the employees, 
with the exception of the store manager, lie on their stomachs. As usual, the manager was ordered to get the money from the safe while Jeffrey moved everyone into the walk-in cooler. As expected, he took the money and headed out the back door to his car. Another successful heist. $1,500 richer. He drove to Belmont, the next town over, where he had another McDonald's to rob there. As routine dictated, Manchester climbed to the roof with his tools and began to cut the hole for his entrance. Using a razor knife, the initial hole was made, followed by a power drill to get through to the next layer. It's estimated that it took him close to 40 minutes to enter the second restaurant. Dropping down, he took refuge in his hiding spot and waited for the employees to open the store at 5 o'clock a.m. Once he believed that the employees were busy with opening duties, he came out of hiding and, just like always, forced everyone to the floor except the manager. Then he had the manager retrieve all of the money from the safe, herded everyone into the walk-in freezer, and headed out the back door. He was headed to safety with approximately $7,000 this time. The manager told the Gaston Gazette, quote, I just saw someone walk in with a gun. He told me to get on the floor, so I did. He was really polite. He was apologizing. He didn't yell at us. He said, would you please, ma'am, get on the floor? Would you please, ma'am, get down? End quote. However, this time was a bit different. While Manchester's routine hadn't changed much over 10 years, society had. And now, people were equipping stores with silent alarms. Apparently, no one in the first store had one or either didn't think to use it, but the Belmont police were alerted by a restaurant employee and were already setting up a perimeter. While setting the perimeter, a police officer located a suspicious car sitting in a church parking lot. While watching the car, he sees Manchester coming out of the woods headed for the car. After a brief chase and a search, Manchester was apprehended hiding in a big pile of weeds. In his typical polite fashion, he even reportedly told the police, you guys did a real good job today. During his police interview, he confessed to both robberies, and when questioned, he said he had heard about the Roofman robberies out in California and thought it was a great plan, so he copied it. However, the Roofman he referred to was himself. A great way to rid yourself of suspicion. Until this moment, he had successfully robbed approximately 40 McDonald's locations. He was held on a $1 million bond. Manchester was sentenced and sent to a medium-security prison. As authorities contemplated other charges against him, they stated, quote, No rush. He's cooling his heels in North Carolina. End quote. Jeffrey Manchester had been stopped. Or had he? Before we continue... Let's take a quick break. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back from the break. While incarcerated at Brown Creek in North Carolina, Manchester began working in the prison's metal plant. At 33 years old, he still felt he had so much life left to live. It was there that he started to plan his escape. And on June 15, 2004, after serving less than four years, he put that plan into action. For weeks leading up to June 15th, he crafted an escape hatch made of a piece of three-quarter-inch plywood that would fit on the undercarriage of a delivery truck that would leave the facility. He painted a piece of cardboard black and used magnets to hold it to the escape hatch so that the entire structure would appear invisible to any security guards who were checking under the truck as it left the grounds. Around 3.30 p.m. on that day, the delivery truck left the metal plant. Some say it was a bread truck. Others say it was a tool truck. But at 4 o'clock p.m., a headcount was performed on the prisoners, and Jeffrey Manchester was found to be missing. He had intentionally chosen a rainy day so that his tracks and scent were more likely to be covered, which worked as planned. He quite literally escaped by clinging for dear life to the bottom of a truck. Jeffrey Manchester made history that day. He was the first and only to date prisoner to escape Brown Creek Correctional Institution. There was just one small hiccup. The now fugitive was expecting the truck to whisk him far, far away. Unfortunately for him, it was only stopping just barely outside of the prison walls. You know, in the view of guard towers and whatnot. Sneaking away as quietly as possible, Manchester hitchhiked from Polkton to Charlotte, North Carolina, which are about 50 miles apart. In Charlotte, Jeffrey Allen Manchester reinvented himself. A fugitive can't just prance around town, after all. This is when he became John Zorin, a generous volunteer at Crossroads Presbyterian Church, loving boyfriend to Lee Wayne Scott, and a self-reported employee of the federal government working a secret job. He had some cosmetic dental work done in order to improve and somewhat disguise his appearance. He rode around on his bike and used the local bus system as transportation. 
He spent his days assisting with charitable events like giving toys to poor children and helping with his church. But where does an escaped convict live? Well, he spent his nights living in a big box toy store. Manchester may have gotten the idea from the 1995 best-selling book and 2000 romantic drama, Where the Heart Is, that features a teenage woman that is pregnant living in a Walmart. Manchester's set-up home in the Toys R Us in a cubbyhole area by the bicycle display rack. He rode the bikes around the store for exercise. He raced remote-controlled cars on the roof for entertainment ate stolen baby food for dinner, and even changed up the employees' work schedules just for laughs. But when the holiday season arrived and the store hours increased as well as the number of shoppers, he created a secret hideaway through the wall, behind the bike racks, and into the attached and vacant Circuit City building. In there, he built a 4 by 10 cubicle made out of sheetrock and decorated it with paint, action figures, and posters as his bedroom. His bed donned Spider-Man bedsheets, and he installed a mini basketball hoop and a DVD system where he could watch movies. He even routed plumbing for clean water and a restroom. In the name of safety, he installed a smoke detector and had a fire extinguisher. Not forgetting that he was indeed a man on the run, he set up a security system of his own using stolen baby monitors. That way he could keep a watch on employees' comings and goings as well as ensure the secrecy of his location. This security system also helped him plan out the official robbery of the store itself. During his time on the run from police, Manchester was still stealing in order to live his day-to-day life. We know he stole food to eat. He also stole cash and then toys from his home in Toys R Us to give to the children in his church and neighborhood. He even robbed a pawn shop, perhaps for a gun. But to continue to cover his tracks, he had to make sure no trace of Jeffrey existed. After his dental work was completed, he was scared that the dental records might somehow get into the wrong hands and end in his capture. So he burned down the dentist's office. But there was still a part of Jeffrey who wanted to pull off the big store robbery like in the old days. This is when he hatched a plan to rob the Toys R Us. Well, officially rob it. Or rob it publicly? On the morning of December 26th, after living in the store for two whole months unnoticed, then creating his apartment in between stores for an additional four months, he put his plan into action. However, perhaps by this time, Manchester had lost his touch. While performing his old reliable routine, two employees managed to sneak out during the holdup and swiftly alerted police. Manchester barely escaped, but did manage to take an off-duty sheriff deputy's gun as he was fleeing the scene. During the criminal investigation, the police scoured the Toys R Us for clues, 
Who was this man? Maybe there was camera footage. Perhaps a shoe imprint or a fingerprint somewhere. You know, the normal clues. They found much, much more. First, they located the entrance to the hideaway behind the bike rack. There was a panel on the wall that was quite loose, only being held in place by one small screw. There, they discovered that it led into the abandoned Circuit City, but they only found thousands of dollars in toys hidden in the ceiling tiles. Granted, it was over $6,000 worth of toys, but still, they had no additional leads. They returned to Circuit City and found that the lights were left on by the previous owners and that the entire store was lit up except for one random corner area that was pitch black dark. Upon further investigation, they found what looked like the entrance wall they had found next door. They removed that panel and entered the room and discovered where Manchester had been living and planning for the last several months. He had even made plans for the future, as indicated by a blueprint for an actual house that he had made. This, too, included mazes and hidden rooms. They didn't know who he was, but when they ran the fingerprints found at the scene, Jeffrey Allen Manchester's identity was revealed. Now, the police knew who they were looking for. Authorities weren't surprised to learn of his military history, stating, quote, Considering he drops out of the ceiling, sometimes 10, 12, 14 feet, lands on the ground, and doesn't miss a beat? Yeah, it's possible he had that kind of training, end quote. In fact, it's possible he had tried to con the military, too. He lived on the military base in Concord before all this, which was designated for families only. Base officials had been asking for proof that he had a family, which Manchester couldn't produce at that time. The police released his photo to local newspaper and media outlets. Within two days, members of the Crossroads Presbyterian Church contacted police and told them that the picture was of a man calling himself John Zorin, and he attended and was a member of their church. They also said he had a girlfriend named Lee Wainscott. When the police contacted Wainscott asking about Manchester, she initially didn't believe them. Once they convinced her of his real identity, she reported that she felt numb and in shock. It took an internet search and seeing pictures by his real name to convince her. The listing on America's Most Wanted was particularly convincing. Manchester was very involved with her family and her children. He had given her a pair of diamond earrings he was active in the church, and just a kind man. But then, realizing the severity of the situation, she agreed to help them catch Manchester. Nothing like a woman scorned. Wayne Scott was turning 40 years old on January 5th. Her family was throwing her a birthday party, and she invited Jeffrey to attend. One would think that by now he would have left town and gone into hiding. He clearly knew how to. But, alas, he had not. 
When Manchester arrived, he found a house full of police instead of a house full of party-goers. In true form, he went willingly and respectfully with the police. He was held without bond on six felony counts. Following his arrest, he was able to call Lee Wainscott. He apologized for deceiving her and her family and amicably broke off their relationship, encouraging Lee to be strong and do all of the things they had talked about doing. She said, quote, I don't hate him. I'm disappointed and confused. I don't know whether to smack him or hug him, end quote. He also called his mother and explained everything, including that he had lost his focus, which got him caught. She was surprised that he didn't seem embarrassed by the whole ordeal. Police describe Manchester as meticulous, intelligent, athletic, and polite. While they hate to do it, they admired his craftiness and tenacity. The police sergeant, Catherine Scheimreif said, quote, It won't surprise me if he escapes again. He's that crafty. End quote. In fact, some have referred to him as the greatest criminal to ever live. Manchester is currently housed in Central Prison, located just west of downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. It was the first prison built in North Carolina and houses male inmates with sentences over 20 years. It has a capacity of 1,104 inmates. Manchester has a custody release date set for December 4, 2036. It seems as if the police sergeant was right, because he has attempted to escape at least twice since, and has failed both times. That concludes this episode of Mugshot. As always, you can find Mugshot on all social media platforms by searching for the Mugshot podcast, or you can reach us at mugshotpod at yahoo.com. Until next time, stay out of trouble, or you may end up pictured in your very own Mugshot.